Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I tackle life's most important question, how do I become a saint? Today's podcast is titled Chatting with Taylor Kemp. This is part two of our two-part series. Thank you, Taylor, for being with us today. It's a real pleasure to have you. And if you didn't have a chance, part one came out last week. Um, and we just really got to hear Taylor's story, which we'll, you know, of course, dive into some of what he talked about. So I think uh, to begin the second part, you know, you talked really at length about just how, where you started and where the Lord has led you now. Um, so I think the first question, you know, I have a lot of people who listen to this podcast or follow uh, this ministry page. And I think many of them are in a similar situation to you um, where they initially, you know, did not grow up in the faith. Mm -hmm. And then somehow, some way, the Lord kind of found them. I I call it um, that four o'clock moment, you know, in the scriptures, in the Gospel of John, uh, it talks about when James and John first meet Jesus and, you know, they meet him and in scripture, John lists, it was four in the afternoon. And I think the reason he does that is quite simply because you remember when you encounter our Lord. Yeah. So clearly uh, in your story, you know, you shared the different moments. Is there one thing that sticks out to you um, as, as your four o'clock moment, or do you think it was just a progression? I know you shared your, in your last moment, you shared the story about, um, being in California with the the U.S. team, but I don't know if there was something yeah. else too that that struck you. Yeah, um, I mean, I would certainly say just during RCIA, I would say that the the most memorable part was just kind of hearing, you know, the wisdom of God revealed in the church about just what it meant to be human. That was something that just always really stuck with me, and I had never heard of, um, and so. RCA was definitely a moment just of encounter. Um, gosh, and I also just think about how, how you're talking about that four o'clock moment, which I hadn't, I've never heard that. That's, I really like that a lot. Um, but it made me think of, um, I don't know if it's in, in Pope Benedict's year of faith encyclical, but it's just where they talk about the woman at the well and the, the encounter that Jesus has there. And then Benedict takes that up and he talks about the well the God goes to meet us at the wells of meaning because he meets the woman at the well and she goes there seeking water. But Jesus reveals to her that her desire is more than just for water. It's for this like living water. Um, and so I, I would connect that. Yeah. Just to my, the soccer stuff of that was my well of meaning. Like I sought my happiness in success through sport and that's where God met me. He, he like encountered me and made me be like, wow, there's something that I desire far more than this that I don't even know what it is. He's like, I'll, I'll draw that out of you. And so I would say that that kind of is, I think what is behind my experience at the national team of just being at this, you know, I'm, I'm coming there looking for joy and happiness, which is what everybody wants. And I thought I would get there through success in sports. Uh, and God encountered me there to be like, you want something more like you desire a fuller life than this. And I can show you that. And then that's like, you know, that that'll be the rest of the story of my life is learning how to realize God is the far more than what I 
than like kind of the smaller human desires. So yeah, I would say those two just RCIA was huge. Um, and then definitely soccer. I mean, soccer was just so intertwined with my conversion. Mm. Would you, um, as someone who has converted, I think, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people who are not cradle Catholics who listen to this podcast or follow this page. Is there any church teaching that for you was difficult to, to kind of understand? And then with that, was there anything that um, the Lord did or, you know, through the people who were helping to help you understand the faith that they said, or, you know, made you realize that really had a lasting impact so that, Anyone who's listening at home who says, oh, I might have a problem with that church teaching because I recently did, a, did some poll questions uh, and it was, it was really interesting. And I, I, more than anything else, I just appreciated it. But I asked thousands of people different questions, you know, on church teachings. Yeah. And I got over 5,000 responses on some of them. But I was asking, you know, simple questions like, do you believe the church's teaching on sex before marriage? Things like that. And the honesty is what really inspired me more than anything else. Cause I had people, you know, all these people who are willing to say, no, I don't agree with that. Asking about contraception. No, I don't agree with that. Asking about the church's teaching on same sex marriage. No, I don't agree with that. And then of course, you know, on my part too, asking why, you know, so is there anything, uh, because I think for so many of us, it's, if, if anything, it's a lack of understanding of why the church teaches what the church teaches right. um, that would make someone, of course, disagree. So was there anything that you had to, to grapple with, struggle with, or kind of yeah. come to understand, or did it all just seem to make sense the more you, the more you read and learned? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I mean, first, I was never, I didn't really, I had somewhat of a Protestant background, but I was never really... Uh, I grew up in a little bit of a non-denominational church, but I didn't have any real religious beliefs. So I never struggled with like Mary and the saints or like the contraception or any particular teaching, except I, the biggest thing that I grappled with was why is the Catholic church different than Christianity? Like, why is it different than other forms of Christianity? Because obviously in RCIA, you come to realize like they're, you know, I didn't even know Catholicism was a thing growing up at all, but um, like what makes it different? And that I, when I learned that the Catholic church makes the claim that it's the one Christ, you know, the natural follow-up is like, well, then what does it mean for the rest of them kind of thing? Mm. Um, So that honestly, that was it. That was my big question was, is there truth behind the church's claim that they are the one true church? Um, and I would say that's what Father Thomas Joseph White's book, The Light of Christ, had really, it spelled it out for me using scripture and logic and the tradition of the church and, and its articulation um, was just realizing the Lord's desire to build one church and then the basis for why that is the Catholic church and the, the meaning of universal and, and all that goes into that. That was really it for me. Because once I got to that point that I was like, Jesus did intend one, you know, John 17, or is it 15? One of the two. Um, That Jesus intended the one, um, and then understanding the history of everything a little bit. Once I got there, and I understood what 
the magisterium of the church is, which is the revelation of God unfolded through space and time through the teaching authority of the church. Once I got there and I recognized that the church's teaching is not like her own, but she's simply the messenger from God. Mm. Then I was like, well, it doesn't really matter what I think anymore. Like I was kind of like, you know, if I claim to believe what I'm claiming to believe, which is that God himself entered into humanity taught real people, gave them orders, resurrected from the dead, sent them out. And this is how they understood what they were doing. To me, it was like, if you claim that, it's like, it's not up to us. Like it's Jesus's church built on Peter, but it's not Peter's church. It's not the Pope's church. It's Jesus's church. And the Catholic church down through the ages is filled with a bunch of sinners who are delivering a message designed to make you saints I was like, it doesn't matter what I think. Like this is God's teaching, not, and like that will always trump our own ideas. So like whether that's the more sensitive topics or Marian dogmas, you know, or, or pick any number of the things for me, it was like, I came to a place where I, 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 I was like, if I believe God is real and this is what I believe about his church, then my opinion doesn't change reality. And my job is to figure out what he said. And then like after that kind of thing through it more and come to understand, but yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I don't know if that makes me an abnormal convert, but I didn't come with previous religious convictions. And once I was like to claim to be Catholic, the necessary after step of that is, well, okay. Then I, be, you know, I believe then that everything that God reveals is the reality and to reject that is not to change it, but to damage myself, really. So I was like, I'm far better off living in accord with God teaches and trusting that that will bring joy, which you can kind of put to the test a little bit. Like God made promises and it's like, you try living it his way because he promised his disciples joy. You know, like Maximilian Kolbe was, you know, starving to death, dying in a concentration camp and the guy had joy. Like, Mother Teresa is serving the poorest of the poor in India in the most deplorable conditions. And she had joy. Like you can go through the saints and it's like Jesus promised his disciples joy. Give his teaching a chance in your life, even on the hard stuff and see if it results in joy. I think people should put that to the test a little bit more like test God on his word. He'll be faithful. Uh, So yeah, for me, it was like once, once I came to the belief of, of the church as promulgated by Christ, I was like, it doesn't matter what I think. I can, you know, there may not be some things I understand, but I can grow in that. That's why I love theology. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if that makes me a little, I'm sure that makes me a little different than, than most. No, I, well, I think it, well, one, to your point of what you're saying, there's a quote that I just read today, which as you're mentioning what you're saying about joy, you know, it's like, oh, I need to, need to pull this up. But uh, I don't know who, who said it because it's on one of these random Catholic quotation pages. If anyone knows me, they know I love quotes. Um, but it said, Jesus promised his disciples three things, that they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. And I just read that, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I, I love it. I mean, isn't great. it true? Um, but then, true to your point, you know, I, of if it makes you different, I, I mean, I think what it makes you is, is having a, a big dose of humility, because it's coming to know who you are and who he is. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, isn't that what you and I and all of us should be seeking every single day is to come to know ourselves better, but really 
the way to do that and what's more important is to come to know him. You know, the more we come to know him, the more we're going to come to know ourselves. And, you know, just in our conversation uh, today, you know, I'm seeing that you seem to know yourself pretty well, which I think is a, uh, a testament to your ability to dive in and just to let him speak to you because um, you and I both know so many people who, uh, for whatever reason, they're so confused about who they are, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. it's, uh, it's okay. It's okay to be in that state of life, but it's also one of those things where you say, you know, oh, if, at least to me personally, this is what I've come to learn. The more time we spend with him alone in prayer, the more those answers are really, yeah. we, we get a response. Like he speaks to us. He speaks to our hearts. Uh, but sometimes it's uh, easy to not recognize that because that's not what the world wants from us. Yeah. And it's like that, that's like the proper way to go about it. It's like when you encounter a teaching that is difficult, which they are, you know, look at John six with the disciples trying to understand the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that it's hard. Like this is a hard saying. But Peter says, to whom shall we go? It's like, that's the proper response. The resignation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, and it's to be like, it's to be okay with that, th- those moments of darkness. To be like, I don't know. And then to be like, but Lord, I trust that you can bring me to the place like, of understanding, which happens in prayer. You know, it's like God does speak. God does give us his answers. But like, we have to be willing to give our time to him. It's like, he, he's not in the game of keeping us completely in the dark and like, tricking us or, or making us live out this like life of utter confusion. Like God, is, he's the God of order, not chaos. And it's like, give him, give him some time, give him your time and, and come with a humble and earnest heart about the hard stuff. Like you can talk to him about it, even, even harshly, like he can take it and then ask him for light kind of thing. And it's like, that that's the proper way to go about it. And you're, you're right that that's, I'm not like it. I've grown in humility. I used to be very prideful. Um, and so, so that's good. I have a, like a really long way to go, but it is a humble position. And, and the saints teach that humility is the grounds of the spiritual life. It is the starting point. You know, that that's what the first beatitude in Matthew is blessed are the poor in spirit. That's you know, that's about many things, but one of the main things is humility, like a poverty of spirit of, of like recognizing like Lord, there's so much I don't know. And, and I've in, even in just in the natural sphere of someone's life, like think about the things that you come to learn just as you mature. Well, the same is true of the spiritual life. Like we should come from that place of like, there's a lot that I don't know. And it would be, it would be rather, yeah, I don't know, prideful to just assume that like God stands before you needing to give answers or him needing to give answers rather than kind of like the other way around. Like it's our job to be like, Lord, enlighten me. And I don't understand, but like, I trust that you'll bring me to understand. So. Well, and to, to what you you said earlier, you talked, you know, at, at length a little bit about St. Joseph. And isn't he the perfect example of, you know, what you and I are called to follow or, or, or should look to replicate. You talk about, you know, coming before the Lord and, instead of us asking him to give us the answers, but instead to listen, I mean, St. Joseph is the foster father of Jesus. And yet this man had the humility to understand that his son was the one to learn from. You know, as we see, you know, the finding of Christ Jesus in the temple, you know, Mary and Joseph come and they're confused as to why Jesus, why are you, 
why did you disappear? And, you know, then he says to him, well, of course, wouldn't I be in my father's house? And then, you know, they, they take those things with them to heart. And it's like, can you imagine, you know, I definitely don't have the humility to, if a 10 year old or 12, however old Jesus was at the time, (laughs) you know, said those things to me, you little kid, but you know, their example of humility to you and me and to all of us is, is, is quite, uh, quite incredible. And something I think to, that we should, we should be looking at. Um, but yeah. I it just, they're great. I mean, the Holy family's uh as good a family as we can I know. Uh, look to try to replicate. And so I guess to that point, you know, now you, you've shared with us that you're, you're married and, um, you know, Brittany had a huge part in bringing you to mm-hmm. where you are. And now you have a little daughter, Agnes Rose. Um, what would you say has been the, uh, the biggest thing that you've learned now as a husband and a father, and how does that tie in or how has the faith uh, led you to that? Cause I'm sure it's been the biggest, biggest part. Yeah. Uh, for sure that I'm not very patient. That, that <laughs> That's what it's taught me. Like I've been amazed how frustrated I can get with like this helpless, beautiful little infant that I love so much. That was the biggest thing in the early days. I was like, I can't believe how bad I am at operating with zero sleep. (laughs) So uh, humbling is uh, what it has been, but, oh, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing with Agnes, it's just like, I love her so much. And she's just, she's so sweet. And it's, it's awesome now because she's four months. So her personality is starting to come out like a little bit more. She's giggling a lot. She's smiling, but I learned a lot about the father's heart and love and recognizing that the best way to understand the love of the father is to, is to parent in, um, not necessarily the best, but one of the, one of the great windows in which we can understand love is a, is a parent child. Um, and so just seeing the way I love her, it's been a real joy for me. Um, now I'm, I'm thinking now back to just mass this past Sunday, Agnes doesn't like her car seat. And so when we take her to mass, she doesn't sleep in her car seat anymore and she wants to be held. And so we hold her during mass. Uh, and like this past Sunday, she was just, I just had her in my lap and I was just looking at her and the mass is going on and the readings and the Eucharist is being consecrated. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like the love that I have for this child is like the love that, that drove Jesus to the cross. Like it's the love that drove is allowing or, or, you know, having Jesus continually pour himself out in the Eucharist. And it's like, I get that a little bit more now, like there, mm. you know, a new facet of love is a little bit more understandable. And another thing is, and this has been odd. I, I not odd, surprising. Um, how much it's almost easier for me to see Christ in Agnes's eyes than like the rest of the people in my life. And I don't know if that's just because of like her innocence or cause she's my daughter, but it's like, I look at her and I'm like, there's it's like, it's almost like the immortality of the soul has never been so like recognizable to me. Mm. I, I look at her and I'm like, there's just so much to you. And it, I, I really don't know if it's just, I'm sure it's a mix of, being my daughter and the innocence of a child. And, you know, she's got my eyes in a way, but looking at her and I'm just like, I, I can look at her and be like, 
there's more than death. Like there's more behind this than just a biological reality, which is something I've intellectually, you know, known or assented to for a long time. But I look at her and I'm like, you could not end. Like there's more, no matter what, when this earthly body fails, like there's more behind these eyes of my daughter than just biology. And that, that's Mm. been a, I wasn't expecting that. And it's been great. Yeah, no, I hear you though. I have four, I have four nieces and anyone who knows me knows that like, there, there are a few uncles who are as obsessed with their uh, nieces. And now I just, my brother just had a little boy as well. So now I have a, a nephew as well. And it's, I mean, there's no, nothing that brings me more joy, especially my, my goddaughter when I'm with her. I mean, it's just, I, I, and, and this is coming from the perspective of an uncle. So to yeah. be a father is only going to be greater, you know, yeah. and, and that's the beauty that I think our, our Lord's trying to show us, you know, mm-hmm. the beauty of children. And, and also, you know, there's, there's much that we can learn from children, you know, their dependency yeah. that they showcase, which is they have to, you know, it's, yeah. there's no way out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that, that beauty of that, that we get to see and, you know, sure it can be, at times maybe a little frustrating, you know, or because you're like, Oh wait, you don't listen. If I ask you, or you, you don't have um, the understanding to be considerate your child, Jose Maria. um, I just read it today. He says uh, he calls it a holy shamelessness. And I love that phrasing. I never heard it until today, but a holy shamelessness, you know, isn't that what we're called to, you know, that's what children have. Um, and there's, there's true beauty in there. Um, but now I've, I've almost kept you now for, for an hour. So I do want to, uh, not take too much more of your time, but I guess, um, you know, one, you can, uh, you're always welcome back too. I mean, we could, I, I think you and I could probably talk for over an hour about some theological topic too. So we'll have <laughs> to, uh, we'll have to do that at some point, um, Anytime, yeah. but I guess, for you, uh, if you don't mind, maybe I'll just ask some some rapid questions, and then yeah. that way um, people can can pull from that. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite theologian? Uh, Benedict Benedict the Sixteenth. I I love his writings. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite memory point? And some of these are going to be theological. Others are just going to be uh, just random mm-hmm. or, or go with yeah. this one. Favorite memory playing for DC United? Okay. Uh, yeah, I would say my favorite memory there was uh, in 2014. I was a rookie in 2013, and we had the worst season in MLS history. Like, we were horrible. I don't know. I'm how, sure I, Cincinnati FC is, is uh, going to challenge that. They're, at they're pushing the points limits right now. Yeah, they're I just they're looked yesterday. <laughs> yeah, but I they I'm I'm telling you we were I'm I think in our in our season we had like four wins. It was nothing. We had the worst season ever. And I was a rookie, so honestly I was like I'm just trying to get on the roster almost, like, you know. <laughs> if if losing gets me more playing time, maybe this isn't such a bad thing. But in 2014, I I had st- I began starting about halfway through the year. We had a lot of new players, a lot of great guys, and we had the biggest turnaround in points. So we went from the worst team in MLS history in 2013 to leading the, we were in first place in the East for almost the entire season. So we had some unbelievable points around and it was just, it was so much fun. Like you can imagine a locker room where you're coming from this horrible year, which just is miserable. 
And then you turn it around, you get some new guys, there's some new energy and you just have this unbelievable year. There's like every day in the locker room was like, how can we get better? Fun. I was starting to play. So that was just a really amazing memory. And, and one of the fondest of like just a team environment. It was just awesome. Yep. Most, most talented player you, you witnessed in your oh, career. Man. On or my played, team, or, or I guess both. So I'll say you played with, and then okay. you played against. Um, I would say so. I'll pick two for that I played against. The first was Thierry Henry, who played for the Red Bulls, and he played as like a right wing forward. So I was a left back. So he played against me, and he's just he's huge. Like he's he's physically just massive, and he's one of the best players in the past ten years in the world. Yeah. Uh, and he was just amazing. It, he was so strong and fast, but good with his feet. He was like a gazelle. Uh, and he was such a pain in the ass. I mean, he was so hard <laughs> to play against. But him for sure. And then the other one that comes to mind, there's a lot, you know, first. There's a ton. But the second is David Villa, who played for New York City FC. Uh, and he's a Spanish guy. And he's like on the all-time leading goal scorer list for the Spanish who – the Spanish national team. So he's, he played for Barcelona a number of years. I mean, he's unbelievable and he's a smaller guy. Uh, but I remember watching his movement and he was so hard to mark and he was just such a smart player. Uh, the two guys. Well, I think I, I was there for the game that you guys played against him. I think you won two to one. In New York city or, or Red Bulls, New York city. Okay. I want to say it was 2016. And you guys played them when you were still at the uh, RFK. Was the, yeah, RFK. And it was a rainy game. They okay. scored in like the third minute uh, mm-hmm. right off the bat. And then you guys scored in the 90th to, to win two to one, I wow. think. Wow. So I don't know if you remember that game or not. but I, I think I played every game that year. So I would have been in it. I'm trying to, I can't, it's not coming to mind, but that sounds like a good one. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think he's, he might have scored the goal. He and they took him out in like the 70th or something like that. He was furious. I, and I don't think Lampart – was Frank on the team that was. year? Yep. Okay, yep. and I don't know if he played until later. Anyways, all this could be wrong, but that's just what I remember as a fan. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm that, pretty that, sure you guys won 2-1 to one with like an 89th or 90th minute ew. goal. Yeah, that, no, that actually is ringing some bells now. I remember David Villa got, got subbed off, and when we won – I do remember that he was furious, like he was screaming at the coach. Oh, I, I was, I was, I was shocked because I was like, he's playing, yeah, such good. And and didn't they have Pirlo as well? Yep, they had Pirlo, Lampard, and David Villa. They okay. had this trio. Yeah, I mean, they were good. They were really good. Well, yeah, I mean, they had so much European talent. Yep. But anyway, continue answering. Best player you played with? Best player I played with. Um, you could say multiple if you want. Yeah, I'm trying to think. That's hard. I mean, because there's just there's been a lot of really good players. Um, None of your teammates will be offended. I'll just I make know. sure I send this over to DC United. Yeah. Well, I'll just maybe say a couple that came to mind. One is when we had our great turnaround. One of the reasons was a guy named uh, Fabian Fabian Espindola, and he was a forward that we had, and he was uh, he like had passion that I had never seen like. It was like once you got him fired up, he would just do anything to score or win. Uh, and he he was a great player. One of, probably honestly the most technically gifted I ever played with was a, a little guy. He was like five 
four or five, three named Luciano Acosta. He was an Argentinian guy that was there for five years. And he was the most technically gifted player I'd ever seen, even played against maybe. He was probably one of the most technically gifted in the whole league. He was with the Argentinian national team. Argentina obviously has a really amazing soccer history. Yeah. He was with Boca Juniors, who was a historically really famous club in Argentina. And he was great. To throw out just one that is, uh, he's like an MLS legend. And he wasn't the most technically gifted, but he was probably one of the most effective players at leading. And just, he was just such a good, like he's the, he's the guy you wanted on your team. Even if like there were other players that were better, he's the guy that like would help you win was a guy named Davey Arnault. And he played in MLS for so long and he was at DC and he's now coaching but he was a great dude and he was a great player and just a good man. And I always just had a lot of love for him. And he, he was great. Hmm. Love it. Yeah. Um, so now you're, you're, let's see, what's the next question I want to ask? Um, I guess two, two, one, two questions. This one will be longer and the other one will take a second. Okay. Um, any stories, either soccer related or, uh, or not that you know somebody at home maybe faith based up to you that yeah. you want to share. Uh, uh, one, it's, we're going to go non faith based here. Uh, one of the funniest ones is like as soccer player, professional athletes, everyone's hyper competitive. So there were two things that we did almost without fail uh, in the locker room. We played ping pong almost every day. And we had the most intense tournaments. And I was a phenomenal ping pong player. I, sometimes I'm like, I may have been a better ping pong player than soccer player. But anyway, <laughs> we would have some competitive ping pong games and tournaments. And our coach was a big ping pong guy. So he would, I mean, I'm not kidding. I think he, he had, we had like a $3,000 ping pong table. And he would have like $250 rackets. Like he, he was really serious about it. Uh, so ping pong. And the second one is on the road. We always played Settlers of Catan. Oh, you ever played it. this game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we we played – and I'm talking like tables would get flipped. People were <laughs> so mad. Like they, it, would, it would get so serious. But we would play Settlers of Catan almost every single road trip. And then when we were home, we would just play ping pong all the time. So that's just a funny – Funny little insight into professional sports. <laughs> I love it. Well, I've, I've only played Settlers. I mean, I've almost played it about 30 times, but I've only actually played and finished once. What? But the people I played with were, you know, like veterans. And uh, I'm super yes. competitive. And so I sat there and took way longer than anyone does at the start to like learn strategy. Yeah. And I wiped the floor with them. And they nice. were not, they did not want to play again because... <laughs> I love board games are, are just one of those things. Yeah, I love uh, board games. That's I'd probably great. get killed the next time I played, but right now I'm one and oh, so I, I can keep my You record. walked away, yeah. Yeah, away. Man, that's great. Uh and then the last question before I get to my gotta be Saints question, who wins the MLS championship this season? I don't know. It's such a weird season just because of COVID and it's like it's just different. I don't know. Um Come on, where's your, your 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 analysis? We need we need that. I know, I know. Um, you can give a couple teams who who are in your Columbus, mind who are the who are the four teams that can win? Columbus, I would say LAFC. Uh, I haven't even looked at the standings in a little bit. Um, 
Philly Union is having a, an amazing year. So yeah, they're, they're, they might be a top in the table. I think they just clinched the supporter shield. So Philly, um, I would pick Philly. I think Philly will win. And they're pretty due, to be honest. They've been – I like Jim Curtin a lot, their coach. Um, and Ale, Alejandra Bedoya was in my national team camp. Um, so I'd, I'd actually really enjoyed seeing them when they were always a rival when I played. But I feel like enough time has surpassed that some of the hard feelings have faded away. Uh, so, I, honestly, I would pick, pick Philly. Okay. And now, now I just have to ask, Messi or Ronaldo? Oh, Messi, for sure. And, I and love who's, Messi. Okay. And who's the best team in Europe right now? Again, honestly, because of COVID, I haven't been watching all that much. You might know this better than I do. Who, who is uh, – I mean, I would just say that it's probably Munich because – Yeah, Bayern. I mean, they just – Bayern just dominates. Yeah, they Bayern. Won, they I'm won the big, Champions League last year. And yeah. It wasn't uh, Bayern really close. Is not, yeah, the, Bayern's always a, a pretty safe bet there. Do you have a favorite team in Europe? I do like Bayern a lot. Um, I like Barcelona more than Madrid. Um, in terms of English football, I've, I've never been the biggest. I like watching any EPL game, but I've never been devoted to any particular EPL team. I'm liking Chelsea a lot these days just because Christian Pulisic is there and he's an American guy. Um, so I, I, I love for. to see Chelsea uh, continue to do well. But I Bayern, especially in Champions League, that would be great. Yeah, I just I was a big Torres guy, so that's uh, Chelsea. Fernando Torres. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, he was always my favorite, even though he kind of had a really a great career, but also almost a tragic one in certain senses. I was I was rooting for him to come to the U.S. I mean, I wanted him in the MLS so bad. Why do you like him so much? Uh, Just because when I started watching soccer, like actually, I mean, I played in high school, but when I started faithfully like watching professionally. It was around the World Cup, and, uh, yeah. you know, I, I rooted for the United States, but I was like, all right, who's the team that I actually want to, yeah. you know, root for that is probably going to win if they're not playing the U.S., and I chose Spain, and yeah. I just loved him. I mean, he's just I, – I played striker, so yeah, okay. his level, of course, but, you know, you you like to yeah. watch guys who play similarly, and yeah, um, I just thought his game was, was beautiful. No, I mean – when he was at Liverpool, he was. Oh, with, he was with Gerard. I mean, the two of phenomenal. them. Phenomenal. But he he always needed a player like that. Slash, he did. A, yep. when he didn't have it, he uh, he struggled. His his second stint with Atletico, though, I thought he was he was a very useful player. I mean, yeah. he didn't get. I don't think he got enough credit for what he did for them. Yeah. The second Man, time I'm just, around. I'm just thinking about that Champions League goal when he for Chelsea. Against Barcelona. Yeah, when Barca's pressing, 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 they, the ball spits out, he takes that touch. I was like – and I was rooting so hard for Barca. So I remember that when that happened. I was like, Torres had had like such an up-and-down year, and I was like, this guy's going to finish him oh, off. Or he's going to miss. I mean, I know. you watch that touch and you're like, that's great that the goalie, like, he gets around him, but you're also like, what if? Yeah, and I know, man. I mean, he's just – for anyone listening at home, I'm sorry. You guys can uh, skip this part. But, I mean, he's a tragic hero. You know, there's times where you're you're expecting him to hit the post there or, you know, yeah. something's going to go wrong. So, when he gets that goal, you're like, he buries for it. his yep. sake, thank goodness. Like, he needs this. He, he needs that moment. Crushed. Yeah. But I don't know if there's any player who's won more that is going to be almost at certain 
to certain people seen as a disappointment. I mean, he's won yeah. at every stage, you know, with every team. And yet people are going to be like, he yeah. could have been, he could have been better, you know? That's true. That's a good like, point. He yeah. won the Champions League. He won Europa. He won he at the national Europe. level. He won a World Cup. It's like there are only, you know, 50 players in the last 10 years who can claim those things. Yeah. And he's one of them. Yeah. And it's like, that is yeah, pretty amazing. yeah. Was, I, it, was it enough? Anyway. He, uh, Amazon has a, this is my plug for Amazon. They have a special on him. They just did a, like a documentary on him. So if you're looking to watch a good soccer documentary, watch the Torres documentary. Nice. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. (laughs) Enough on that. I appreciate you, uh, taking the time to speak. It's been a, it's been a real treat and a real joy. Yeah. Um, but, but I always ask two questions and this will get back to the faith component. So if anyone's listening to part two and they're like, um, okay, after 13 minutes, Brendan, you just went off the rails and talked about soccer. <laughs> Sorry, folks, that's how it works. I get to how it goes. This. The uh, risk you run listening to a podcast. It's <laughs> what you get, you know. If I if if I'm gonna do this, I I get to have some fun with it, um, <laughs> and, and ask these these soccer related questions. But two questions now. Firstly, who is your Mount Rushmore of saints? So who are your who are your big uh, your favorites? Oh man. Okay. So Saint Joseph. And Mary, I mean, the, the Holy family is hard to beat and they've just played, you know, especially in the part one of this that you can hear about just how they've impacted my life in such ways, but Mary and Joseph, for sure. Um, St. Therese, I I really love St. Therese are we, Brittany and I miscarried uh, our first daughter and her middle name was Therese. Uh, We, we love St. Therese. We went to Lazoo last year. um, And I also, uh, St. Louis and Zelie Martin, her parents, um, especially just cause we're, I'm, you know, my vocation is marriage. And so to have a married couple to look to as intercessors has always been great. Um, John Paul II, like every single Denver Catholic and <laughs> Catholic of the 21st century, but like, he's so amazing. I mean, I read, uh, one of the first books I read about a saint was Jason Everett's book, John Paul II, John, St. John Paul the Great, his five loves. Uh, and I just, I was like this, he has such an amazing story, just his suffering, losing his family, uh, the difficult life he had. And then like the secret seminary and, and coming up under communism and the life he lived as Pope. I was just like, this guy's amazing. Like he is the man. And I just, I loved him and I've, I've prayed to him ever since. Um, Gosh, this is such a hard question because you could just pick like a lot of saints. I mean, you could just pretty much name all of them. So you, you really could. You can't go um, wrong. And then, you know, I, I would say uh, I'll just this will be my last one because again, I could just go forever. But just from the the ancient church, uh, I would pick. Well, I'll pick two from the more ancient church. <clears throat> the first I would is Saint Paul, just because he had a really big conversion. Um, his writings, I just love his letters like so many others, and they really, when I, the class that I took at the AI on Paul's letters, just, it, it opened up the theology to me. And I, I just have loved St. Paul and, you know, his, his, his line of it, for when the Lord says in my power is made perfect in weakness and Paul's examples of humility. I've just always, they've always stuck with me. And the second one from the ancient church is St. Athanasius who he uh, defended the creed uh, in the fourth century at the Council of Nicaea. Uh, 
particularly just one article in the, in the creed where it says that the son is consubstantial with the father. And it's just like, this is just one little article in the creed. But uh, St. Athanasius was in exile for 17 years over this one word in the creed. And I've just always, when I think about like what it really means to, to defend the faith, I'm like, that guy, that's what it is. Like from his, he was persecuted from inside the church and from outside the church. And he was in exile for 17 years over one word. And it's like only one thing could make you do that, which is love. He loved God. And, and he knew that there, he would do anything to love. Yeah. Yeah. Like he would do anything even to that degree. Yeah. And it's like how badly we need that today. Oh, laity, bishops, priests, cardinals, popes, like how badly we need people who say, I love the Lord to the point of my life, as Paul says, count is nothing. It's nothing mm. to, to knowing the love of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And St. Athanasius actually did that. Like the dude lived in exile for 17 years over a single word. Um, and that's like an, an ideal that I'm like, I pray that God gives me that grace. Cause it's like, you know, I'm a coward, like deep down, like I'm afraid of people rejecting me or not liking me. And it's like, that's something that can only be received as gift. And St. Athanasius received that well and was willing to give up everything. Yep. For a word in the creed. Love it. It's beautiful. Well, maybe uh, if we, if you want to ever come back on, maybe we can dive in, dive into that. I think there's a lot of uh, necessary things to talk about there. um, Yeah. And doesn't our world need it now? Yeah. Um, more than ever. But last question. So God willing, one day you're going to be a saint. You're going to die and you're going to be a saint. What are you going to be the patron saint of? Oh man. I mean, the easy one there is professional athletes, but maybe ping pong players. Uh, What am I going to be the saint of? Yeah, probably athletes. I'll be up there with St. Sebastian praying, praying, interceding for all of those, my fellow athletes who confuse happiness with chasing the dreams uh and and trying to intercede for them to realize that underneath their desire to be successful in sports is a desire to be close to god i think that would probably be the most likely i like it well you can fight yeah. with philip rivers greg zorline and uh harrison buckner yep. over that yeah the there's course. a lot I, honestly that's a really cool thing i like there's a lot of great athletes that are far more famous and more talented than I am that are like fervently Catholic. Like, and I'm well, like, and that this part is doesn't, amazing. The, 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 the fame doesn't matter as much as the, uh, on all of your parts, you guys are striving for holiness and true, but the fame helps because then more people see that. Oh, oh, certainly. Yeah, no, no. I, but at the same point, you know, God gives you the platform he gives us and all it's we true. have to do is, is respond positively to that. And it's true. You know, he'll, uh, He'll make, he'll make disciples yeah. uh, with, with our witness. So, well, thank you so much, Taylor. It's been a, it's been a joy being able to chat with you today. Um, I hope you enjoyed your time and yeah. um, I will, I wrote down all the books that you shared too. So when I uh, share this on the podcast, I will tag those three books. Um, and if you have anything that you want me to share, you know, any resources or, you know, even formed website, you know, we can get people to, uh, to check that out as well. So um, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to chat today and um, know of my prayers for 
for you, Brittany, and for Agnes, and pray for pray for me as well. Yeah, no, I will. Thanks for having me on. I had a, I had a blast. So, really, it was a great blessing. And yeah, I'll pray for you. Pray for your continued growing audience, and that grace of God can continue to reach people in this digital age, which yeah. is, I mean, really yeah. like a small plug for Formed. I mean, that's really what we're trying to do at Formed is just go to the places where people are, which is online and provide um, engaging ways to open up a space in people's hearts for God's grace to kind of invade. So, I mean, I love this. I mean, I love the podcast thing. Formed is an amazing tool that I'm really blessed to work for. So yeah, check out form for, if you haven't for any of these listeners, form.org. I can, I can attest that I've used it and it's worth it. So Give it a give it a go, people. And like I said, I'll I'll tag it so that if you guys are listening to this and going, how do I find it? I'll help you out. Perfect. Thank you. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to speak and to all of our listeners at home. Thank you once again for tuning in. And we hope to tune in again uh, in the upcoming weeks. But have a blessed night and uh, we'll talk to you soon.